Hi, I'm Heather Bruschetti at the Business Council of New York State. I'm the president and CEO, and now I am the host of this podcast called Connect, the Business Council podcast. The Connect podcast aims to bring you the most interesting interviews with business leaders and newsmakers from around the state. And now here's the host of Connect, Heather Bruschetti. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Connect podcast. I am your host, Heather Bruschetti. I'm the president and CEO of the Business Council of New York State. Today's guest is Neil Bradley, executive vice president and chief policy officer at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Our discussion today is on the newly passed federal relief bill that is intended to assist workers and businesses as we go through these unparalleled times uh, with the virus and the economic meltdown. So. Um, with that, I'll kick it off and uh, ask you, Neil, if you want to do a quick summary of what you think the high points of the legislation are. Sure, I'd be happy to. Thanks for having me, Heather. Um, so the phase three bill, as it's become commonly known as the package uh, that is clearing Congress this week, it passed the Senate, um, I think with no dissenting votes late last night. It'll be taken up uh, by the House on Friday morning, and we expect it'll go to the president to be signed um, no later than, than Friday afternoon. The bill, uh, from a business perspective, really focuses on dealing with the liquidity crisis that so many businesses, irrespective of size or sector, are facing. Um, you know, as your listeners know, we had a pretty good, strong economy um, just a few short weeks ago with record generational low unemployment and strong wage growth of over 3% and pretty good balance sheets on behalf of, uh, of corporate America. And then all of a sudden, commerce came to an unprecedented stop. And no matter how good things are, you can't keep paying the bills if you don't have revenue coming in. And that's created this liquidity crisis that this bill is designed to help bridge. And it really does that through three particular things that we think are noteworthy. The first, for businesses across the board, um, irrespective uh, of size, is it provides some relief from what businesses have to normally send uh, to the federal government in payroll taxes and in other estimated taxes and, um, and some of your allocations. So for example, um, for the next year, businesses are not required to remit as they normally would their employer portion of payroll taxes. So think about it this way, you know, you, you pay someone $100 and uh, you have to write a check uh, to the federal government for $15 to cover the payroll taxes. Here you'll get to keep a little over seven of those dollars and you won't have to pay that to the government until the end of half of it until the end of 2021 and the other half in 2022, which will definitely improve kind of cash flow for businesses and help folks have more cash today to meet uh, their, their obligations. The second is a provision for small businesses, and that's generally defined as those fewer than 500 employees or, with some exceptions, folks who otherwise meet SBA definitions and qualify for small business programs. Um, this program isn't the traditional SBA program. In fact, it's really not even going to be run through the SBA. It's really going to be run through uh, your local bank, national lenders, et cetera. And it, the eligibility class covers 
small businesses, the self-employed, sole proprietors, independent contractors, uh, and nonprofits that are 501c3s. And you're eligible for a loan that's basically equivalent to two and a half months of your payroll costs. And importantly for, for small businesses, uh, when you take out this loan, at the end of June, you can do a look back and you can say, how much did you spend on keeping your employees? How much did you spend on utilities and rent and your mortgage interest? And you get to deduct dollar for dollar those spending from the loans that you took out. In short, your loans are converted to grants and are forgiven if you've maintained your employee headcount. If you've cut your employee headcount, then you lose a similar proportion of the loan forgiveness. The third so, element so, really... So, Neil, can I just stop right there? So if you're a yeah. small business and you've laid it, and let's say you had 10 employees, um, you, you take a loan, but you only hang on to nine. So you'd lose basically the percentage of payroll that that employee represented? You would lose a, yeah, roughly a tenth, you know, of, um, of your, I mean, there's a formula for it, but the way to think of it is I'm going to lose roughly a tenth of the loan forgiveness. Now it's still a loan and you still don't have to pay it back for another year. And the term can be, I think up to 10 years, but you know, you, you, you wouldn't get that portion forgiven. So this is super important, and I'm sorry to stop you there and ask a question. No, but please, I'm glad. Yeah, there's there is a cap on the amount of salary that would be covered by this, right? That's correct. So both for the loan that you can take out and the forgiveness you get back, it only counts the first hundred thousand dollars of an employee's salary. So if someone makes seventy-five thousand dollars, who who's who's on your payroll, you get to count all of that. If they right. make 150,000, you only get to count the first hundred. Okay, and this is intended for businesses who've had a, uh, a significant drop in revenue because of this, correct? Or is it for anyone? Well, it, it's the, the, the entry point requirements are actually very low threshold. So you do have to say that your business has been disrupted or you believe it will be disrupted because of the, the coronavirus. But you don't have to go in and say, my revenue, approve any level of revenue drop. It is broadly available for, for virtually any small business who can, with a straight face, say, I've been negatively impacted. Right, which is, which is a lot of businesses. So I'm which sorry. Virtually everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so continue, I, I apologize for interrupting. No, 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 no. Well, you know, we, you know, on this topic, you know, one of the things I think that uh, on the small businesses that folks should begin thinking about now is what they need to begin pulling together to to apply for this loan. And and really, you know, anyone who has been negatively impacted or thinks they will be should look at getting this loan because it does convert into a grant. And so the things you want to be looking at and at the U.S. Chamber, we'll be releasing kind of this checklist, um, hopefully in the next 24 hours of things that you should be doing. And it begins with just pulling together your payroll costs on a monthly basis for the past year. So you can figure out what the average is so that you know what your loan amount will be. And so there's a lot of simple steps that businesses right now can begin taking to get ready uh, for this loan program. Um, the last element, and then maybe we can, we can discuss some more of these, is really targeted to 
mid-sized companies and larger. And um, this is uh, understandably done on less generous terms, but it's loan facilities. So um, the way these work is uh, for folks who recall the 2008 financial crisis, one of the things the Federal Reserve did then is it came in and it created loan facilities to facilitate lending when the banking system wasn't otherwise able to provide it. And in this instance, what they're going to do, they have about $450 billion that they can either use through the Treasury to make direct loans, although we don't anticipate much of that to businesses, or to partner with the Federal Reserve to facilitate these loans by private banks. And the important thing about that is, is that through the Federal Reserve and the magic of leveraging, you can take $400 billion and turn it into $4 trillion worth of support for uh, lending to the American business community. And the goal with that is, is, as you would expect with something that has a four and a trillion in it, is to provide overwhelming support, the sense that there is a backstop that's available that we're not going to allow businesses to go under. Now, these will take the form of loans, and businesses will have to pay them back, but they'll be paying them back, you know, in some instances over five years or even longer. And that should help America's largest employers get access to the liquidity they need today to be able to, to stay up and stay running. And so maybe we can talk about any of these that you have questions or, and then we can talk about some of the individual provisions. Okay, so, so just on that, if you're a business that, um, is under 500, but you don't for some reason qualify for the loan slash uh, forgiveness program, would you be able to access the other funds or is that only for larger employers? You, one of the things we expect um, the Federal Reserve is in the process of doing is supporting lending facilities created, supporting lending facilities which will support loans by banks made to small businesses. So if I were thinking about this as a small business owner, my, my first stop would be trying to make sure I qualified for this, this under 500 loan that converts to a grant. If I'm not eligible for that, but I still need support, I would be going to my normal lender, my normal bank, and finding out what they have available because in the coming days, either your normal lender or other national lenders should be out openly talking about additional support and lending that they have available to small businesses because okay, of this new program. So these, these 500 plus employers who are, we're talking airlines, um, I guess banks, I, who, give me a sense of, of who you think this would capture. Sure. So um, air airlines have a particular program in here, a set aside just for the airlines. But, um, you know, we've been talking to large manufacturers who, who may be in a state where um, they, they've had a, a shelter in place order, like I, I know New York has, but that particular manufacturer hasn't been deemed an essential business or for other reasons they've had to, to shut down those manufacturers with more than 500, this would be something that they're eligible for. You know, the auto industry, for example, you know, they've effectively uh, uh, put on a hiatus for two weeks, um, auto production. And so I, I don't know that any of those firms will need this assistance, but should they need it, 
these this is the program that's going to be available to available to them. Okay, so so moving on to the individual um, benefits, I know a lot of people are are um, excited about that. I don't know if excited is the right word, but appreciative, I guess, of the efforts to recognize um, individuals and, and how they might be harmed by this. So do you wanna talk about what's in there for them? Yeah, I mean, there, there's uh, the biggest provision is uh, checks that the federal government will be sending uh, two households, and it's basically $1,200 for an individual, $2,400 for a couple filing jointly, plus an additional $500 for every dependent child. And you get that full amount if you're an individual with income less than $75,000 or a couple with income less than one hundred and fifty. dollars Beyond that, it pretty quickly phases out. And so, um, you know, if you're, if you're a couple... Uh, with joint income of 125,000, you know, um, and, and one kid, you should be expecting a $2,900 check um, from the federal government in the coming weeks. Um, and so that's going to be a, a really large benefit uh, to lots of folks who, who are struggling today. And that's in addition to beefed up unemployment benefits and other programs for workers who, who've been let go. And, you know, and sadly, we're seeing you know, record number, uh, record numbers of people filing for unemployment. So um, the the check is a one-time thing, um, but the unemployment is an extension for uh, the the beefed up unemployment. That's an extension for four months, as I understand. Is that right? That's exactly right. So it's four months of enhanced uh, federal unemployment, and um, on top of your normal unemployment check, whatever you'd be entitled to under the, the normal rules there in New York. The federal government, um, once the state agrees, and I don't know too many states who are gonna disagree, but once the state agrees, they, the federal government will, on top of your normal unemployment, provide an additional $600 per week. Okay, and would that, would that be taxable or would the checks be taxable, do you know? Um, it should be treated the way normal unemployment is, is, is treated in this. I don't think we've changed the, the taxation rule. I know we've done that in past financial crises, but I don't believe they, they did that here. Um, and so um, I don't believe there's a change there. Okay. So no one, but no one needs to do anything to apply for the, the stimulus checks. Um, you don't need no, to- No, no. So that'll, that'll be coming straight from the government. You don't have to do anything there. They'll, 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 um, uh, look at it based on your um, most recent tax returns, uh, and, and they'll provide provide that. So I, I know you mentioned that um, you're going to have a summary of this available um, at some point, and, and we'd like to share that with our members, and we really appreciate all the, the hard work um, you have done at the U.S. Chamber on trying to get this package to pull together. There's some things, though, that, that are a little disappointing, right? Um, like the exclusion of other nonprofits other than C3s. Um, I know that there was a big push on that. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a, you know, um, one of the, that, that small business loan slash grant program that I mentioned, the loans that convert to grants, um, 501C3s are generally eligible with an exception if they uh, receive Medicaid funding, but other nonprofits, 
um, including trade associations and local union groups who are nonprofit but are not organized under the C3 section of the tax code are, are not eligible. And this is um, a, a big disappointment because you know groups groups like yours, groups like you know um, uh, you know the, lo the local unions provide important benefits, and they're struggling too. Um, you know with with you know this downturn and loss of revenue and inability to do events. And so we're not done fighting for that. We hope that in future revisions we can add back all nonprofits. Um, but that's the status of, of, of the bill as it, as it came out and as it's going to become law. Okay, so the, the, they're not done. There's more to come um, at the federal level, you think? I, I do, although I think we're going to have a pause now. So yeah. um, the House members aren't, aren't even in Washington, so they haven't come back. They're going to expect to pass this bill without members actually coming back and, and physically voting. They're going to do um, they're going to do a voice vote, and the chair is going to happen to hear that more people are in favor of it than are opposed to it, and that's how it's going to pass. Um, the senators were here, uh, but they announced after they voted last night um, that they're going home and they won't be returning, uh, I believe, until April 20th. So we'll have lots of discussions, but we won't have any legislative action barring any unforeseen uh, catastrophes, uh, you know, for, for about another month. So um, looking, kind of looking back and forward at the same time, if you can possibly do that, and that sounds ridiculous, but, um, <laughs> you know, people are comparing this to 2008, although it looks like um, the impact is, is probably more immediate. Um, I think 2008, it was definitely not all at once like this, but give me your perspective on that. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is um, in, in magnitude, right? Um, it feels like the magnitude of 2008, just as you said, Heather, a, a lot more, a lot sharper. I do think there's a big difference, however, though, between this and 2008. You know, the fundamentals of the economy were, were really strong, as I, as I mentioned earlier. And so 2008, we had structural problems. We had um, a, a lot of uh, assets that people were valuing that they had lent against, borrowed against, that turned out not to be nearly worth as much as what everyone said they were worth. And that was a real problem that had to work its way through the system. And that's one of the reasons it took so long to really kind of recover from the, the, the 2008, uh, the fall of 2008, those, those events. This is different. Here, we were chugging along, and all of a sudden, we just turned off the light switch suddenly, and everything went dark. And if we do the right things to help people bridge this period where, as individuals and families, they may not have any income, and as businesses, they may not have any income, when we turn the lights back on, when we all go back to work, when commerce resumes, we ought to be able to get pretty quickly back to where we were. The real danger in this period is during this, this time when the, when the light switch is off, if we allow families or businesses to, to fall into bankruptcy. Because if we allow them to fall into insolvency, then we won't be able to come out of this. And so that's why this bill that we talked about is so critically important. That's why the numbers, which are staggering, uh, let's, just, let's just acknowledge that you know, $2 trillion on its face 
and leveraging for an additional $4 trillion. Those are mind-boggling numbers, but it's necessary so that we make sure that when we come out of this on the other side, we can kind of get back to growth. And the good news is, is at least with a lot of this, particularly the support that's going to, to midsize and larger businesses, that's going to get paid back. Those are loans. And so that money's going to, going to come back and uh, um, the, the economy and hopefully the business community will, will be stronger because of it. So, and we're sitting here in New York and obviously New York is um, right now close to half the cases in the United States. We do expect that there, you know, there will be waves elsewhere, but certainly our economy took an immediate hard hit. Are, are you seeing that in other states or is that something that you're looking at? I, I just, I, I know our governor has sort of been a very unhappy with um, the amount um, set aside for New York specifically, although I think the business um, pieces and, and the individual pieces, that, that's the same everywhere, correct? Yeah, the, the, those are the same everywhere, although, you know, I, I assume you're going to have particularly more businesses in New York who are going to have need for this assistance than maybe they do in a state where they've had relatively few cases, where they've not, uh, where they've not had shelter-in-place orders. And so it's, it's going to vary a little bit. Um, the, the bill also provides, in addition to, to billions of dollars to support the health care system, I think it's $100 billion to support hospitals. It includes $150 billion for state and local governments to help them respond. And so um, that, that's money that's based on uh, a state's population. And so, you know, New York, of course, will be uh, at near the top of that list in terms of allocation for, for that $150 billion. So, you know, a lot of these resources will be targeted where, where the need is most. Some of them are going to be wider spread. But I'll tell you, as we talk to folks across the country, you know, it's we have in our mind, we kind of look at those maps on TV and we see the hot spots, right? And we say, well, that must be where the economic activities come to a halt. And it's true, but you can talk to folks in other areas which haven't had as much of an outbreak. And, you know, their businesses are dependent on doing business with, with folks in New York, right. uh, even though they're in Georgia. And so their business has dried up too, even though you know, they may not be in an area that, that's impacted. So the, the impact is widespread, even though uh, from an economic standpoint, even though the virus may be more concentrated at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the psychology spread um, before um, the, the actual, the virus spread in some places. I mean, I, from what I understand, you can't find toilet paper anywhere. Um, exactly, <laughs> yes. Which has nothing to do with the virus, which I don't, I mean, so it's just interesting that, um, you know, there's this sort of psychological response. I, I would think, um, you know, if people know that there's beefed up unemployment coming and checks coming and some support for business, that we could still see online retail um, not take a very big hit, if anything, maybe increase, but um, that's just my totally, um, un you know, I, I have no expertise in that area. Um, well, I mean, we are seeing, for example, um, major retailers, particularly those with online presence, um, uh, actually hiring. So Amazon, Walmart, um, Instacart, the, the, the grocery delivery service, 
um, you know, those companies, I, I think, in fact, I think almost each of them, I think, are adding over 100,000 employees right now uh, because of the surge in demand. And, you know, an interesting thing will be when we come out of this, and we will come out of it, um, have habits changed? And do people do things differently after this than, than they did before? And, um, it's a, it's a, I don't know that there's a right or a wrong answer to that, but it's an interesting thing to think about when, when we think about uh, the future of business. Yeah, well, I wish I was in the hand sanitizer and or toilet paper business right about now. Um, yeah. I know a one, lot of the, of one of the fun provisions in this bill that's going to become law is a reduction in the excise tax for the alcohol used to make hand sanitizer. So um, just when you think they couldn't think of everything, they thought of how to cut the excise tax that goes into making hand sanitizer. That, that doesn't apply to beer or vodka or anything, does it? It should. Uh, it should, <laughs> but sadly, it does not. Yeah, we could all use a beer right about now. Well, I, Neil, I can't, I can't thank you enough. Um, I know that you, you and the U.S. Chamber have been working around the clock on this, and we greatly appreciate your efforts. I can't say enough good about your organization. Um, we look forward to the summary, and hopefully we will um, be hearing tomorrow that it's through the House and, and um, things will take effect shortly. That's right. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. We, uh, we really treasure our partnership um, uh, with you and your team and uh, look forward to uh, celebrate when we get business back to normal and, uh, and can support uh, workers and employers in New York and across the country. Thank you, Neil.